just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast, going into a weekend that might be busy, a lot of infrastructure talk. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but I wanted to start things out um, based on a TikTok I did earlier today, which stemmed from a conversation I had a few days ago. And this conversation was with a quasi-Trumplican. What I mean is, He's Republican. He believes a lot of what the Trumplicans believe, but he's not militant or crazy or argumentative or looking for a fight. So we still are at loggerheads when we talk because we see things totally different. And we got in this conversation and uh, he disagreed with me. I disagreed with him. And that wasn't a surprise. But if you know me from TikTok or from the podcast here, you know I like to break things down into simple terms, into black and white, because I think that's the only way to get the meat of the matter. I mean, you watch the media or listen to our politicians. Everything they say is so convoluted and confusing. It's really hard to understand what is really being said or what people really believe. So after talking to this gentleman for a time, I thought, okay, let's just break it down. I'll tell you what I think. Now you tell me what you think. So I said to them, I said, listen to to this thought of mine. See what you think. I said, if you're an anti-vaxxer, then I have to believe your agenda is in a positive way about killing Americans. We have 750,000 people dead because of COVID, and the vaccine is the one chance to save people, but you are against it. I can only assume that you are for the killing of Americans. He looked kind of weird at me, (laughs) not happy. I said, hold up here. Number two, if you support insurrectionist, I have to believe that you are in favor of overturning this country's government undermining democracy. Now he's getting a little irritated. I said, one more for you. If you are against the Build Back Better deal, I have to assume that you're for the suffering and the struggling of people in the middle class, that after 60 years, they still don't deserve some kind of help from their government. And he looked at me, And he was very angry with me. I could see that. But like I say, he wasn't one of these guys that are going to yell and scream. I wasn't yelling or screaming at him. I was just stating facts in my mind to him. And he said to me, well, you're making it too simple. I said, am I? I said, everybody else seems to want to make it confusing. It seems cut and dried. He said, well, it's not cut and dried. I said, please explain how it's not cut and dried. He said, well, you have to understand about vaccinations. Oh, I said, I do understand about vaccinations. You have a virus killing people. This vaccination will save people from dying. Yet you and other people don't want people to take it. Only for a political ideology, not for the actual safety of people. He goes, well, that's not how I see it. I said, I understand that. And what about the insurrectionist? He said, well, It wasn't as bad as what everybody thought, and it was really the FBI. I go, that's bullshit. The only people going to trial are white supremacists and Trump followers. So don't even try to 
pan that bullshit off to me. And then I said, what about the Build Back Better bill? Well, that's a lot of money to spend, and we can't afford it. I said, really? The last time our government has done anything for the middle class is when they did the highway system in the 60s and the flight to the moon. Before that, it was the New Deal with FDR. All that money you paid in taxes went to rich people. None of it went to the middle class. You think that's right? Do you think that makes sense? Do you think that's best for this country? He says, well, you, you, uh, you're making it too simple. I said, no. I said, everybody needs to make it simple. It's very clear what's going on. The problem is you don't understand because you've been caught up in all this convoluted bullshit and you're believing it because you're not sharp enough to break it down. Now he's getting a little mad. (laughs) And he said, I don't know about you. You're just crazy. Let's agree to disagree. I said, I expected that answer. You're not looking for the truth. You're looking for whatever proves your agenda or at least moves your agenda along. And you are the problem in this country. I said, if you believe all those things I said, if you believe the insurrectionists are decent people, if you believe vaccinations are bad, and if you believe the Build Back Better bill is bad, then you're not my friend at all. You're not a friend of this country. You are an embarrassment to this country. Now he's getting a little madder. But he didn't blow up, and I'll give him credit for that. But that's how I feel, and I have a right to say it, because he'll rant and rave about his Second Amendment right, but I remind him that I have a First Amendment right, and if you try to stop me from using my First Amendment right, you're going to get the same kind of reaction as if somebody came and tried to take your fucking guns. So think about that. Now, he won't think about it. He doesn't think about anything unless he thinks he's right about it. I proved to him he was wrong, but he's not going to accept that. But I got to tell you, it's a little cathartic to be able to say that to somebody's face and make them deal with it. And what we find out, they won't deal with it. They won't listen to it. They can't comprehend truth from lies. And that's why they're marks for Donald Trump and the Republican Party. So anyway, (laughs) I got that off my chest. Okay, so we've got all this stuff going on with the infrastructure. We've been talking about it for months. I'm getting tired of talking about it, and I'm sure you're getting tired of hearing about it. But you need to know what's going on so you can see where this is headed and what might happen depending on the outcome. First of all, you have the bipartisan infrastructure bill. That's supposedly agreed on by the Democrats and the Republicans should pass. Then there's a reconciliation bill, the Build Back Better bill, which is giving money to the middle class and helping us survive and flourish in this economy. So the deal is the Republicans, Joe Manchin and Cinema, and the Democratic Party really want that bipartisan bill done. But according to the negotiations prior to that, it was also agreed upon that there would be a reconciliation bill that would be tied to it or come before it. And that reconciliation bill has gone from $3.5 trillion to $1.75 trillion. It's cut in half. So there's a lot of things in there that were good for our country that are now taken out because of two people, Cinema and Mansion. 
Now, you're probably saying, what about the Republicans? Well, the Republicans aren't even a factor in this situation. They've seeded this whole thing, and they're not even involved because they had already told us they're not going to vote for it. It's a reconciliation bill, so we need a simple majority, 50 senators to vote for it. Kamala Harris, the vice president, will break the tie. That's all we need to do to help a lot of people in this country. But Manchin and Cinema have been the stumbling block, as I've said over and over again. Now, Joe Biden obviously wanted a lot with the climate change in that Build Back Better bill. And he is headed off, well, he's in, he's, I think he's in France now, um, with the uh, climate summit. Now, what Joe Biden wanted to do is have those bills signed in his back pocket, go to France as the conquering victor, and saying, look, this is what we're doing with climate change. We want you to do it too, to have some credit, have some authority on the matter. Well, of course, today when it came down to it, Joe decided to leave a little late so he could give a last pitch to the Democrats because they were getting nowhere with it fast. And after that was done, there seemed to be a little better feeling about it. In fact, Joe Biden, before he left, gave a speech that said, we basically agreed on a framework. Well, that frankly doesn't mean anything. That's not a deal. That's a framework. That's a phrase he's going to use to look like he had some kind of win before he goes to France and the summit. Will that work for him? I don't know. I mean, theoretically, these bills could be worked out by this weekend. And while he's there, he will still be the conquering hero. But who knows what's happening? Now, the reason why these two things aren't signed already by Joe Biden is because a lot of distrust. We know the Republicans and we know Manchin and Cinema want the bipartisan bill. To be perfectly honest with you, if they just passed the bipartisan bill, that would make Joe Biden look incredibly good. But we have the progressives on the Democratic side that said, nope, we've got to get that reconciliation bill done, too, before we agree to vote for the bipartisan bill. So the bipartisan bill is in trouble because the progressive Democrats won't vote for it until they get what they want in the reconciliation bill. And to be perfectly honest with you, they wanted $3.5 trillion. It's now $1.75 trillion. The fact that they're even considering to sign it at that level is amazing. Now, the thing is that the problem here is everybody, Republicans, Joe Biden, want to pass the bipartisan bill first, and then we'll deal with the reconciliation bill. Biden needs that passed to look good and uh, put him in a better situation come 2022 and 2024. But the progressives don't want to do it. And why? Because they don't trust Manchin or Cinema. And why should they? These people have not been truthful. They have not been communicative, and they don't trust them. They figure they'll buy it, they'll pass the bipartisan bill, and once again, they'll be like Charlie Brown, and the football will be taken out from under them, and the reconciliation bill will, will be forgotten. And you know what? I don't disagree with them. When in your, you're in a negotiation, you've got to be tough. You've got to be willing to lose in order to win. 
And that's what they're doing. The problem with that is they're also bringing down the Democrats as they continue to do that. They're caught in a catch-22. They're going to fight for what they want, but they're also going to bring down the Democratic Party until such time that these things are signed. And we've got some things in the immediate future that not having those bills will affect. We've got um, elections all over the country. We've got the governor governor election in Virginia, McAuliffe and Youngkin. Now, the common thought is that if these bills aren't passed, it's going to look bad for McAuliffe, and he could ultimately lose to Youngkin. We're going to talk about that race a little bit later, but that's a legitimate point. That's how people think. Well, the Democrats aren't doing anything. They can't get anything passed, even though Joe Biden promised it, so maybe we'll go Republican. (laughs) Nobody trusts anybody. Is that a problem with Republicans or Democrats? It's with neither. It's a problem with our system of government, our two-party system. This has become a very divisive party. The Congress is the very place that there should be negotiations and compromise, but we don't see it. We certainly don't see it with Democrats and Republicans. Republicans don't want any part of this infrastructure bill. Uh, the reconciliation bill anyway, they aren't going to vote for it. So now the fight is in between Democrats, progressive Democrats, Manchin, and Cinema, the moderates, allegedly moderates. They're actually conservatives, but they call themselves moderates. So that's where the sticking point is between the progressive Democrats and the moderates. And it's not doing well. Here's the, here's the thing you have to understand. I've said this all along. This deal will get passed at one point here in the very near future because it has to. Because if these two bills don't get passed, it's game over for Biden and the Democrats. They all know it. They all know it. If they can't deliver like they promised, then come 2022, it may be a different situation than what we hope for. Same with 2024. They have to have some successes. They have to show that they've done something. And the first year is always the time where they really push to get that done because they know that midterm election is always rough. History would tell us that if a Democrat wins the presidency, the Republicans win in the uh, midterms. Now, I don't believe that comes into play here as much because we're talking about history and what's going on now has never happened in history. So to make that uh, judgment or guess is wrong because we've got a lot of other factors that come into play in the midterms this time that we've never, ever had before. So we're caught between a rock and a hard place. We got to get the bills signed. Nobody trusts anybody. Nothing is done yet. Biden says there's a framework, but we know frameworks don't mean shit. So where are we at? <laughs> I don't know. I know it's going to get passed. It's got to get passed. There's just no two ways about it. But when is a crucial thing? We've got these elections coming up next week. We've got Department of Transportation workers that will be furloughed on Sunday if a bill isn't passed. 
So there's a lot of things hanging in the balance, a lot of things that have to be done. And then once that's done, we've got to deal with the voter reform uh, bill. We've got to deal with the debt ceiling raise in early December. There's a lot of work ahead. We need to get this infrastructure thing behind us if we have any hopes of anybody getting anything done. So we're in a very tentative time or a so we're precarious time, because if it doesn't work, the Democrats will be in trouble. They know that. But for whatever reason, Manchin and Cinema don't care. Or some people will say the progressive Democrats don't care. We've got two sides here. They hate the progressive Democrats because they're being too tough. They hate Manchin and Cinema because they won't move and they won't do anything. I'll be honest with you, under a normal circumstance, in a normal negotiation, I would say to the progressive Democrats, stay strong, tell them to fuck off, we don't care, let's wash everything out. Unfortunately, that's not an option here, because there's too much to lose. And when you're in a negotiation, if you have a lot to lose, then you're more apt to be flexible. And that's what the Democrats have been with this by or this uh, reconciliation bill. Like I say, they came down from 3.5 to 1.75 trillion. Now, in a lot of negotiations, people will ask for more, accept less, expecting less. I don't know if that's the case here. I'm not sure. But uh, I don't think it was. I don't think they looked at it as real negotiation. But that's in fact what we're talking about. It is a real negotiation. And, um, uh, Nobody's winning at this point. If the bipartisan bill doesn't pass, it's going to screw up Manchin. It's going to screw up Cinema. It's going to screw up the Republicans and the Democrats. But the most important thing is it's going to screw us up. It's going to cost us, and that's always the case. These people decide to do nothing, and we get fucked. It's always that way. These people will still get their salaries. They'll still get their health care. They'll do what they want to do. Sure, they might not get elected the next time, but they'll be fine after that because they're already millionaires from the shit they do while they're in office. It's us that gets fucked. So over and above the election status in 2022 and 2024, those bills have to get done, even if they're less than they expect. And the reason is, and I've said this before, if those bills get passed and the Democrats look good, things look better in 2022 and 2024, and once they have more power, they can push these other things through. You got to look at the long con, if you will. You got to look at the long haul because you're not going to get everything. They've tried. They've been uh, very valiant in their attempts to try to get everything, but it's just not going to happen for whatever reason. I think once this is done, we need to put cinema and mansion on a pedestal and explain all the things they denied Americans. Get their signature and get their vote, get what you need, and then hammer those motherfuckers because they need to be put in their place. They need to be straightened out. You can't allow them to control this country. They aren't the president. They're just some weak-ass senators from uh, Arizona and Virginia or West Virginia. We can't allow them to continue to do this. And the only way to fix that is to get more senators, Democratic senators, in the Senate. 
that will take out their strength and just make them another whatever they are senator in the Senate. So that's what we got to do. That's what we've got to look at. It's not fast and furious, and it's not immediately gratifying. But you take it a bit at a time. You build your strength, and then you get it all. That's really all you can really do in this situation. All right. I'm done talking about infrastructure at this point until some such time that more things happen and hopefully something positive comes out of this. I think it will, but uh, I'm a little frustrated at this point. I would think these people would be a little more um, anxious about getting this done, but everything is fucking slow, and I hate slow. If the choice is obvious, make the choice, get it done, fucking move on and get other shit done. But that's not how the government works. That's not how our Senate or our House of Representatives works, unfortunately. It's about people's egos and uh, reliance on other rich people who are turning their head and causing them to make choices they might not normally make. It's very frustrating. It's our system that's fucked up. It's not just Democrats and Republicans. Republicans are the worst of the worst. But our entire system has a problem because it isn't working and it hasn't worked for a long time. So let's get what we can, get some strength, and then we need to figure out the system because that needs to be straightened out. All right, I'm going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay, this news just came out. Remember I told you about Jeffrey Clark? the uh, assistant attorney general in the Department of Justice who wrote a letter that was going to go to Georgia and some of the other states to tell them that there was all kinds of uh, fraud going on in the election and they shouldn't um, certify the election. Remember that fucktard that we talked about? Well, here's the deal. He was scheduled to testify on Friday. Now he's been granted a postponement by the House Select Committee. And why, I'm not certain. I mean, I know what his excuse is, but I think at this point we need to just move this up a notch and go after people and get it done. But apparently Jeffrey Clark's lawyer is no more. I don't know if he was fired or he decided to leave. Apparently they had some disagreement as to how forthcoming Jeffrey Clark might be. Does that mean that the lawyer said he shouldn't be forthcoming? Or does that mean he said he should be forthcoming? Does that mean Jeffrey Clark doesn't want to be forthcoming or does? I don't know who the villain here is, but we can't let this hang there. This is an important testimony, an important deposition by Jeffrey Clark, because he was talking to Donald Trump on January 6th and afterward talking about the insurrection and talking about how he could flip the election. This is a no certain terms treason. Jeffrey Clark knows he's in trouble. He's a fucking lawyer. He should know he's in trouble. But uh, he doesn't have a lot of choices here. He could show up and plead the fifth, but then that's going to essentially prove that he did something illegal, which we know he did. Jeffrey Clark's in a tight situation. I don't know if his lawyer doesn't want him to talk or Jeffrey Clark doesn't want to talk. But somebody's going to have to talk because he's going to jail one way or another. If he doesn't talk, he will get a long time. If he does talk, maybe he can cut some time off of that term. 
we'll see what happens. Now, this postponement is supposed to be short and temporary. We'll see how that works out. We're used to the government not being too quick about things, taking forever to get anything done. I mean, Jesus Christ, it took two years to get Don McGahn in front of the uh, in front of Congress to give a deposition, only because Donald Trump held it up. So, anyway, on that same vein, talking about the House Select Committee, we know the big four that the House Select Committee subpoenaed these people close to Donald Trump. We know that Steve Bannon had decided he wasn't going to comply under any certain terms. He believed he had executive privilege, and unfortunately, he doesn't. And in fact, Donald Trump doesn't because he's no longer president. Donald Trump screamed about executive privilege. Steve Bannon jumped on board. But the fact of the matter is Joe Biden is the only person that can assert executive privilege. He decided not to. So it's a done deal. So what do they do? They go to court. Well, that court case is going to come up or start up on what? I think November 4th. So it's going to happen here sometime soon. Hopefully that means we'll get it done soon. And then, of course, Donald will probably take it to the next level and maybe to the Supreme Court. But the fact of the matter is he has zero case here. He cannot win this. And if it takes time, that's fine. I think with Steve Bannon, they did the right thing by referring it to the DOJ for criminal contempt. But now... Here's the deal. Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff of Donald Trump's administration, is now not supplying any of the documents he was supposed to supply, nor is he planning to attend the testimony. He's not going to show up in front of the House Select Committee. So now the Democrats are considering whether whether or not they should send Mark Meadows over to the DOJ with a criminal contempt complaint. And my question is, why are we thinking about this? What's to think about? Benny Thompson said if they don't comply, they're going to the DOJ for criminal contempt. I don't see what we're thinking about. Get the fucker done. Get that guy over there. Now, the one thing about Mark Meadows, because he was working directly with Donald Trump on January 6th and in and around January 6th, he has a little more of an argument about executive privilege. See, Steve Bannon wasn't even in the White House. He hadn't been in the White House for three years prior to January 6th. He has no claim. But the fact of the matter is, what's going to happen is he's going to ask for executive privilege. Then Donald Trump is going to have to get on his hands and knees and beg for executive privilege from Joe Biden. But we know that Joe Biden already said, fuck yourself, there is no executive privilege. And then what they'll probably do is try to take it to court to delay this. Now, here's the thing. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, Steve Bannon won't come and uh, Mark Meadows won't come. It'll be delayed and nothing will happen. Well, that's not altogether true. See, here's the thing. What they need to do is make these people examples. And when they make these people examples, people lower down on the chain that can probably tell the same stories that Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows can tell will be fearful of it. 
because they don't want to go to the DOJ. They don't want to go to court and risk jail. They don't have lots of money. They don't have lots of power like these two clowns do. So they aren't going to be able to afford the legal fees. They aren't willing to take the risk and they're going to talk. And to be perfectly honest with you, dozens of these kinds of people have already been talking to the House Select Committee. So a lot of what they might ask Mark Meadows and Steve Bannon, they probably already know. They don't necess- They would like to have them. It would make things easier, but they don't absolutely need them. See, the thing is, is these guys will play this game as long as they can, and they think Donald Trump will save them, but we know that's not going to happen. Donald Trump hasn't saved anybody, but they're too afraid of Donald Trump, so they're going to stand by him as long as they can until such time when they can't anymore. It's going to be very interesting to see if they send Mark Meadows to the DOJ. There should be no question about it. They should send him to the DOJ for criminal contempt. There should be no consideration of it. You said you were going to do it, so fucking do it. Now, there's really three things you can do in this case with uh, subpoenas and people not complying to subpoenas. You can go the civil route and sue them. That's what happened during the impeachment, and that's why it took two years to hear from Don McGahn. They tied it up in court, and then he finally had to show up and said, okay, I'll show up, and so he doesn't have to pay the damages that would be in the lawsuit. The next step is this criminal contempt. It goes to the DOJ. They decide whether there's a criminal case, and they prosecute. But again, that can take a long time, too. There's one other option, and I've talked about it before. It's unlikely they will use it. But I have to tell you, if they just used it once, they'd never have to use it again. Because it's the most aggressive way to deal with these people not complying with the subpoenas from Congress, which is a dangerous thing. If they keep subverting these subpoenas from Congress, that takes the teeth out of Congress. It takes the power away from them. And henceforth, everybody will do it. Democrats and Republicans. Congress will have no power, and then they really serve no purpose. If they don't pass bills and they have no power, why the fuck do we have them? That's something, that's a question that needs to be asked. But there is one more thing that Congress can do or the House Select Committee can do if somebody doesn't comply with a subpoena. It's called an inherent contempt of Congress. Now, with an inherent intent of Congress, it's more draconian. It's more direct. It's more frightening to the people who might be affected by this. The unfortunate thing is this way has not been used for 150 years and probably because it is draconian, and probably because up until now, people really didn't try to fight back against the subpoenas too often. Now everybody's doing it. But with inherent contempt of Congress, this is what happens. The sergeant of arms of the House of Representatives goes out, grabs up this person who won't testify, drags him by the ear or the legs or whatever the fuck it is, drags them into the Capitol, and forces him to testify. And if they don't testify, there's actually a jail cell in the U.S. Capitol that they'll put him in until such time he decides to talk. Now, that may be a little draconian in these 
more sophisticated days than it was 150 years ago. But here's my contention. You pick one person out, like Mark Meadows, and you do that to him because you have the right to do it to him. You do that one time. Who's going to fight you from then on out? Who's going to want to be grabbed up from their home or from their work or wherever they are, dragged to the U.S. Capitol, and maybe put in jail in the U.S. Capitol? You only have to do that once. Because once you do that, then everybody's going to say, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. I mean, essentially, that's what they're trying to do with uh, sending these people over to the DOJ. They're trying to make an example of them to scare other people. And it's worked to a certain extent. But maybe you need to scare them more. Use that one power one time and then see how many people fall in line after that. It's going to be very interesting. I don't think they'll do the uh, inherent contempt because they just don't have the guts to do it. There's just no courage there. With the Democrats, the Republicans might do it. And that would be interesting if the tide is turned sometime down the road and the Republicans actually use that after the Democrats try the same same strategy that the Republicans are currently trying by ignoring subpoenas. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens there. Here's one thing that's kind of interesting. There's a criminal complaint put out filed against uh, former New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, and he's being accused of forcibly touching somebody, putting his hand up the blouse of a woman. Now, this is serious. It's a misdemeanor, but it still could involve one year in jail if he's convicted, and he will have to go to trial. So this is going to be a tough situation for, um, for Andrew Cuomo. Now, keep in mind, he's very powerful, has a lot of money, and history would tell us people like that usually slip out of these situations. I don't know if he can in this circumstance, but we'll find out. Andrew Cuomo is known to be a bully, known to be a womanizer. He had to resign from his office as governor because of sexual harassment charges. He's kind of a jerk. He's kind of arrogant. We know his history, so the likelihood that he actually did this crime is probably pretty high. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any evidence and what happens when it goes to court. That's going to be very interesting to find out. Now, the other thing that I found a little disturbing today is I'm seeing Tucker Carlson of Fox News, and what he's doing is he promoting a series that he has coming up. It's about January 6th and the insurrection. The only difference is, is that he's making the insurrectionists out to be heroes. He's complaining how they're being persecuted and put in jail, that they're simply tourists, or it was a quiet, calm protest. I keep hearing these people who say, well, they were unarmed. Now, in their minds, unarmed means they didn't have guns. We don't know for sure if some did have guns. We'll find that out eventually. But to suggest they were unarmed is a little fucking ridiculous. When we're talking about bear spray, flagpoles, bats, and those sorts of things. No, they're not guns, but they're clearly weapons. Because 140 policemen were injured. Five people were killed. Don't tell me they have weapons. If you even try to use that as an argument with me, I'm going to shut you down so fucking quick because it's ridiculous. 
Let me pick up a bat, get you in a corner in a room. You tell me if I have a weapon. It's amazing the lengths they will go to to tell their lies. But Tucker Carlson is doing this series on January 6th. He's telling lies. He's making the insurrectionists out to be heroes. And um, what he's doing is he's, he's radicalizing the dumb people that watch Fox News. He's encouraging violence. Now, this is appalling. This is a network, not a news network, an entertainment network, but a network nonetheless that feeds a lot of people a lot of bullshit information. I mean, Jesus Christ, they tell you not to get a vaccination, but the entire Fox News Corporation requires everybody to be vaccinated. How does anybody believe them about fucking anything? So anyway, they put this out to try to stir things up because that's what they do. But in the process, they're stirring people up um, in the Trumplican end of things and causing them to get excited and mad and maybe create more violence. And they do that because they don't give a shit about the country or the people or the safety of people. They do it strictly to make money. And that is the problem with Fox News. Now, these Republicans and Trumplicans are always whining and crying about cancel culture. Oh, cancel culture's not fair. Just because somebody does something, it's canceled. Well, here's the deal. Here's what I figured out about cancel culture. If you fuck up, do something fucked up, you're going to get canceled. Because people will find out about you doing something fucked up, and they will be upset about it, and you will be canceled. So there's a simple way not to get caught up in cancel culture. Don't do something fucked up. But if you do something fucked up, you better be able to explain your way out of it or suffer the consequences. The reason I bring that up, because of the dangerous things that this series and Tucker Carlson are going to bring to this country, here's one motherfucker that deserves to be canceled. I think we need to find out who are the sponsors of this series on January 6th, these lies and this this radicalization of people in this country. We need to find out who the sponsors are. And then we need to boycott them and pound them with letters. And Tucker Carlson needs to be stopped. It's not just that he's a bad broadcaster or that he's a Republican or he's a liar. Now he's becoming dangerous to this country. If anybody deserves to be canceled, it is Tucker fucking Carlson. And I don't even know how you start something like that. I'm not in a position to start something like that, but I would hope people would see this for what it's worth and start pushing forward like they have with so many other people. There have been other Fox News people that have been canned because they became so toxic and not one sponsor wanted to touch them. That's what we need to do to Tucker Carlson because he doesn't give a shit about anything but making money for himself and his network. Even if it involves causing danger in this country by creating violence amongst these Trumplefucks that don't know any better and believe anything they're told. 
I'm a little upset about Tucker Carlson. I've had my conversations about the media. I have problems with the right and the left media. But this particular one is the most dangerous because he's fomenting violence in this country. He's encouraging it. And he's talking to people that are too stupid to know any better. And that is a huge fucking problem. I don't know what to think about Tucker Carlson, I know I don't like him. I didn't like him when he wore the bow tie, and I don't like it now when he's wearing big boy clothes. But the fact of the matter is, he needs to be stopped. The one last thing I wanted to mention, and I mention this because I was asked this question. I wasn't even really asked a question. A gentleman made a comment, and uh, I tend to agree with him. He said when Barack Obama was voted president, of the United States back in 2008, that was the point in which the GOP lost its sanity. They went insane. And you know what? If you really think about it, I believe that's true. Yeah, you can talk about Reagan and Nixon and all that stuff and the crazy shit the Republicans did then, but it really didn't break until Barack Obama. I think the Republicans were very upset and mad with America for voting in a black man to the presidency. We saw Mitch McConnell do everything he could to block everything that Obama did, do everything he can to make him look bad. That's what he did. So then when they come up with a uh, an opponent in 2016, after Obama's had his eight-year run, who do they bring in? They bring in a guy who's friends with the white supremacy, anti-Semites, misogynist, and they got behind him and they backed him all the way. Doesn't that seem ironic? After a black president, we know they're mad. They bring in this white supremacist, Donald Trump. And then they jump on board and crawl down the rabbit hole. Unfortunately, they had no idea how bad Donald Trump would be and how overt he would be about the things he's done. They haven't been able to cloud a lot of these things because Donald Trump just yaps his mouth and it's right in your face. They don't try to hide it. He's not sophisticated about it. He doesn't try to cover it up. He's just right there in your face. Now the Republicans are on board. They're down the rabbit hole. Now they can't find any way out. So what do they do? They fucking embrace it. And that's who the Republican Party is now. They are racist. They are misogynistic. They are anti-Semites. They're against women. They're against anybody who's not an old white man. And that is frustrating. And still people follow them. And still they have a real shot at elections in America. These people should be canceled just for their thought process and the things they support. But for whatever reason in this country, we've got people too stupid to know any better and they continue to vote for them, either because they're staunch Republicans or because they believe the bullshit and the lies. I think it was Obama who broke this and caused the GOP to go insane. They are a racist organization. There's no question about it. We see it every day. And the fact that America voted in Barack Obama to the presidency and gave him two terms, this made him mad. This made him so mad that they can't even hide it anymore. They're going out there with this racist attitude, hoping to get all the other racists in their country, this country, to back them. And that's exactly what happened. I think this gentleman was absolutely right. 
and I'm sorry to hear that it's true, but I think it is. You would hope better for this country. You would hope that racism was on the decline, and I think we thought that during the Barack Obama era. But as soon as Donald Trump came in, all these fucking racist and animals crawled out from under their rocks. Donald Trump said, it's okay to say that shit now, and that's what they did. And now they are somewhat a force in our politics. And that was the mistake. That was the mistake of the Republicans and the mistake of the Democrats to not take it seriously. Because now they're talking about it. Now isn't the time they should have talked about it. They should have talked about it during the Obama term. Because they could see what was happening. But they just assume, oh, it couldn't be that bad. You know, people have said to me, oh, my God, um, give Donald Trump a chance. You know, Jesus, I knew from the very moment I saw him speak that he would be horrific because he's arrogant. He doesn't think about what he says. He pulls shit out of his ass and just says it. He doesn't care what it is as long as he's trying to cover his ass. Now, there was one other person I talked to I want to mention before I wrap this up. I was talking to a gentleman who likes to talk against Donald Trump, and he's appalled by some of the things the Republicans are doing. But he gave me a telling statement that changed my mind about this person. I've always said that I don't think Joe Biden will run in 2024. He'll be too old. He will have done what he wants to do, and he just won't run. And this gentleman looked me in the eye and he said, well, I tell you what, if they put up Kamala Harris in 2024, I'm definitely voting for Donald Trump. Oh, that's all you need to say. If you would vote for Donald Trump any under any circumstances, I lose all respect for you. You're either stupid or evil or both. There is nobody in a right mind that would vote for Donald Trump again to get back what we had during the four years he was in. But see, that's what I mean. You've got racist. I asked him, I said, why wouldn't you vote for Kamala Harris? And she, he said, well, she's just over the top. She's crazy. I go, how so? He couldn't explain it. I said, does it happen to do with anything uh, that she's a woman or that she's black? And he kind of stuttered and he said, well, uh, of course not. I go, bullshit. That's the only reason you don't like her because you don't know anything about her. I don't know that I would vote for Kamala Harris either in 2024, but I sure the fuck wouldn't vote for Donald Trump. If there's a choice between those two, (laughs) Kamala Harris could be a witch for Halloween and be a witch 365 days a year. I'd still vote for her because she'd be the lesser of two evils. But there's nothing about Kamala Harris that suggests she'd be worse than Donald Trump. And if you pick Donald Trump over anybody, you're a fucking fool and you're stupid or evil. As you might have guessed, he didn't like that too much. (laughs) I tell people, people will say, you're really pissing me off. And I say, well, that's good. That's my hobby. I enjoy pissing people off because maybe it'll make you think. I'd rather have you hate me than think nothing of me. At least I've gotten to you at some point. So anyway, (laughs) 
We've got an interesting weekend coming up, and I'll be back. We'll be talking some more. Next week should be pretty crazy, too, so there'll be plenty of fodder for the Rational Boomer podcast. Stick with us. Tell your friends. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, just email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer podcast, and leave me a voicemail message. Love hearing from you. So we're going to wrap it up for this one, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.